Welcome along to episode four of Life Off The Stage with me, Richard Bobosan. My guest today, we could have gone on for hours if I'm honest with you, but I just enjoyed talking to him so much. You have a theory of what he's like on stage, but actually off stage, quite often somebody completely different. Anyway, episode four. My guest today trained as a ballet dancer within the Royal Ballet and then competed in the Elite Series with Ballroom and Latin before entering into the jive dance scene. He has now competed within dance for over 40 years, I know he doesn't look old enough, and has danced from Blackpool to Torquay to St. Petersburg to the dusty DVD shells of Blockbuster. Today on Life Off The Stage is the fabulous Simon Rich. Welcome along, Simon. Uh, thank you. At least I'm not in the blockbuster bargain bin, right? Well, it, it could be that way. Let's face it, I'm not sure there are many blockbusters anymore. But as I say at the beginning of all of these interviews, I have the pleasure of internet stalking. Oh, I guess. And, uh, and yeah, the DVD came up quite strong on your, uh, on your Googling. Did it? Did it? it? Did. I, I, have, I have Googled myself a couple of times. You, have you ever Googled yourself? Never. You're lying. <laughs> I am lying. Yes, I have done it on the occasion. What did you find out about yourself then? Uh, there's actually a poet with exactly the same name, and he always gets to the top two pages, which really annoys me, because uh, then you have to troll underneath the top two pages. But yeah, there's always like um, when you start looking at yourself, you start finding uh, references or movements or things that you've worked on that you thought. Well, that, that should never go any further than the back of like, my camera. And somehow it's made it onto the web. And it's, oh, that'd be great if that got, came down or got taken down. Do you know, I didn't even go onto Facebook for yourself. I found enough on Google. So you are of that, <laughs> of that status that I didn't even need to stalk all your Facebook photographs or anything. Oh. It's, uh, it's I, stalked, I stalked all your Facebook photographs instead. Did you? Yes. That's, that's quite a scary thing. It's, um, I, I, yeah, I, I try not to put too many personal things on there. I don't know why, but, uh, but yeah, I've, I have a kind of a public persona, I suppose, which is why we're doing these interviews. Yay. Okay. So that, so that is why we're doing it, because everybody sees, so for those that hasn't li haven't listened before, um, we do these interviews so that uh, people can actually see what people are like off the stage, because all people ever see is Simon Rich on the stage for an hour and a half every week, and... Uh, and yeah, they don't know who you are personally. So, um, so yeah. Now, you did something very different. So uh, for those that don't know, I, I send all of my guests the questions beforehand. There's nothing to hide about that, just to kind of give them a heads up about what it is. And, um, and Simon very kindly sent back all his answers, which is the first for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm reading all about him. Now, I'm going to ask him the question in a moment about kind of where he grew up and all of that type of thing. Um, I'll be honest with you, when I first read your first part um what i read was you grew up in barbados so that was what i very first read but that isn't quite the case is it simon so um slightly different to barbados so tell us about your history and how you grew up and all of that type of stuff yeah um so i'm a barney which is a bernardo's child um so i went to bernardo's at a very early age um i was three when i went to bernardo's um and I never knew any different, to be honest. I thought Bernardo's was what the normal families were for a very long time until I started sort of venturing out from the, the home. Uh, so uh, I, I see myself as a survivor. You know, I think I've, 
done all right out of that. A lot of the people that were in with me haven't done so well. So um, I think you sort of said, you know, tell me about your family and stuff like that. And I was like, well, I don't actually know my family. Uh, but recently I, I have sort of uh, found out about my uh, real parents. And wow. uh, yeah. So was that, that something that's... you tried to find out purposefully? Did you aim no. to do it or was it just land in your lap? It landed in my lap. Unfortunately, my mother died this year. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, well, actually, it was like meeting someone in the street. You know, I didn't know her. So, I, I mean, it really, it, it meant very little. But I went to the funeral and it was it was quite weird to listen to this person and everything she'd done. And I think, wow, okay, well, that's quite an interesting person. Um, so, yeah, I found out about my mother recently. But no, I, I really don't have, you know, I have very low understanding of what happened in the past um which has made me a very strong family person now the most important thing to me are my daughters and you know they are super strong in my life and they mean everything to me so how many daughters do you have then three three, three. what ages are they uh this is a scary one right so <laughs> one's 29 wow. and one's 28 so you can see I was quite young. So I, I must have been incredibly young when you uh, had those then. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was 17. <laughs> yeah. 17, 18, 17, 18. Yes. No, 18, 19. It must be 18, 19. Just working that maths back. Uh, and then I've got Darcy, who is uh, eight, who turns nine in September, who probably acts the oldest out of all four of us. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, I have a five-year-old myself, and this morning, you know, she was absolutely acting like a teenager. Um, yeah. At the age of five. Um, yeah, they grow up so quick, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, she's a, she's a very grown-up, um, mature five-year-old that knows what she wants to do, that's yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, it's very different. different uh, very different parenting at this age to when I was 18, 19. In what way? uh just because i have more time now you know before it was like work and come home and i don't think i ever changed a nappy uh, wow. honestly on the first on the first on charlie and danny i don't think i ever changed a nappy once with darcy it has been full-on you know single parent I'm, life now and all that i'm stuff. guessing she doesn't wear a nappy now though uh no well, only occasionally <laughs> no, I mean, we're, we're now both getting to the age where we might need to start wearing nappies again <laughs> but that's a different issue altogether you see this this was my plan right so you have lots of children and then they can look after you as you get older right and how you look after them in their early age is how they look after you when you're in your cardboard box or wheel you into the sunny spot one yeah. of them yeah, that's, that's not a bad philosophy to have, if I'm honest with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got four children in total. And uh, yeah, I, I said on a previous one that I'm, I'm hoping that my, uh, my eldest daughter is going to find the cure for death. And I don't think that's too much of an emphasis to put on anyone. Um, and that, but she has got a timeline in regards to making sure that I don't pop it first. So that's, yeah. you know, yeah. I, and I think that's fair. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. So well, generate organs just to keep you going, one or the other. Yeah, anything that, you know, if you can replace any part of the body, which I think they pretty much can now, then, uh, yeah, why not? We yeah. should be able to live forever. Exactly. 
That's yeah. my theory. I am sticking with it. I'm absolutely sticking with it. So you are not a dance teacher full time. So what do you have the pleasure of doing outside of dance then? Uh, so I do um, lots of things. Uh, uh, gardening is probably my biggest relaxation. You know, that's an old person's thing to do, don't you? I'm, I'm going to get to your age in a minute. <laughs> it is. It, I guess, I guess it is. I've been doing it all my life. I mean, it's not like I only just started five years ago. I'm only jesting. I spend time in the garden too. When I say I spend time in the garden, I mow the lawn. Um, Zoe <laughs> does all the hard work, with you, but I mow the lawn. So, but no, there's nothing wrong with gardening before I get emails again, complaining. <laughs> I just find gardening is like one of those things you can do and just, you know, just forget yourself. And um, it's a good stress reliever uh i love walking i go for long walks and um that's you know that's pretty much my life my life is work and dance and then outside of that there's you know not that much space as you know right i mean out of those two things it doesn't really get much further no it is getting that balance isn't it and none of us are very good at doing a balance and certainly when the world of Sorok turns up and for yourself you know i know you work full-time as well and then you've got dancing in the evening that that's even more challenging to then try and balance everything else out to go along with it so um so yes yeah. so what do you do for a job then so i am the managing director of a dental supply company so i the way <laughs> That's always a difficult one. Uh, so the way I describe it, it's like the Argos for the dental world. So I, I manage that company. But uh, this is this is the first time this this I actually took on just as COVID was starting. So I became MD of this company on uh, the month that COVID really took over in the UK. So I took the company, a successful company over and lost all work and put everyone on furlough. So that was a, you know, welcome to the company. Um, all of you are on furlough. Fabulous. Well, at least you did manage to furlough everybody. Yeah, I was I was not very popular in fact. No. How popular are you now? They're all back. Yeah, still not that popular. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, you know, uh, my friends take the mickey out of me because uh, I've sort of gone from big global companies as the hatchet man okay I've gone what were you doing top. before then uh so nokia apple uh glaxo smith client so big 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 companies and doing what in those change management so it's like um, going somewhere and saying here's all the good things and there's all the good people that do all the good things oh, and oh everything that's left on that right hand side yeah my friends think it's hilarious they 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 always say oh you started a new company how many people have you you know got rid of um which you know it's awful it's it's a terrible but it's made sort of very successful companies out of it so. yeah i mean every company um after a while does always have some I don't want to use the phrase dead wood, but I just have. Um, yeah. But it always has people that are there that actually probably don't need to be there and, and not necessarily that required for the company to move forward. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's always been like a big change. Like uh, Nokia was going through some major changes at the time. 
and then I left and then it went through some bigger changes and then Apple's going through big changes and so it's been big changes because the industry was changing in such and such a way so it was really interesting it was really interesting but I was traveling around the globe I was so, going to say, I, I, you know, I have the pleasure of following you on Facebook and the variety of different places. And yeah, I, every time I saw you, it was like, and here's another first class to airport terminal. And I'm thinking, <laughs> bloody hell, I'm in the wrong yeah. job here. Yeah. yeah. Does that get boring in the end, traveling oh, like that? Seriously boring. Honestly, everyone was saying it's really good. Like Emily, my girlfriend says, you know, oh, I'd love to go to here. And I said, oh, I've been there for business. But on it, being there for business means nothing. It's like you turn up, you go to a hotel, you go to the business, and then you come back again. Yep. Living out of the city. I was doing uh, USA, Asia, Europe, restart on, on a weekly basis. And uh, it, it was a killer. It was an absolute killer, as well as dancing. I mean, the time zone differences and all of that as well, that must yeah. ruin your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your time. I'm only 21, you know. Right. You've, you've aged well. Yeah. So we, we've mentioned your age a couple of times. No, we never haven't. announce how old you are, of course, because that would be a terrible neither thing. Neither do you. Say again? Well, neither do you. Oh, I'm happy. I'm 46. That's fine. Okay. I, don't, I don't mind saying that. And magically, my hair has, has gone grey. Magically, your hair has stayed darker over the years. I don't understand what you mean. I, but it's like a little bit grey down here now. <laughs> I've been dyeing my hair since about 21. I started going grey at 21. Um, so I am your age plus three. Right. So is it the big 5-0 this year, is it? Blimey. You should Me be able to at least have a party. We are. Uh, so Carol Haynes, do you remember Carol Haynes? She used to yeah. dance with Victor. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, very big on the dance scene for a long time. Are... Hmm. Uh, we're one day away from each other on okay. our birthdays. So we've had a few dual birthdays. Cool. And we've got some plans for this year of what we'll do for our big you know, it's, always, it's always very strange when people say, what are you doing to, for your birthday? Are you having a party? And I'm like, no. no. And they say, why not? And I'm like, well, what do you do when you go to a party? You hire a hall, get a DJ and do some dancing. Yeah. That's what I do when I go to work every day. Why would I want to do that for my birthday? Yeah. And it almost becomes a little performance thing as yeah. well. It's, it's just like, mm, I don't really want to. No, that's, um, yeah, it's always a struggle, that one. So, no, I, I always do something completely different, play yeah. golf or something like that. But, uh, yeah, that, that would be nice. So what's been your favorite place to visit then? Well, that's a good one. Uh, so I really like, there's lots of beautiful places I've been to. And, and you look at them and you go, this is amazing, like Vietnam and Phuket and Australia and New Zealand, they are amazing places. But there is something about the vibe in like San Diego. Okay. It just, it's like London, but nice. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's just super nice to each other and it's just really trendy and everything's really close together and they have a real good work-life balance okay really nice often thought about it often thought could i could i just leave and go to san diego yeah because we don't have obviously ciroc isn't in the usa you know and it's it's still kind of waiting for that teacher that wants to go over there in a, a mid-climate temperate 
um, sort of area. Um, you can't go to the hot places and dance it because it's just too hot. Um, yeah. But yeah, go and have air conditioning to kill for. Yeah, but I remember doing air conditioning in Barcelona when it was 40 degrees in a studio and still coming out just saturated after a two hour session. So, so yeah, air cons and I've, you know, I've danced in air con down in Marseille in France. And, and again, it's fine when you're stood still, but then as soon as you start to move, just sweat profusely. Um, Absolutely. So, I, um, yeah, I think you dance differently when you're out there. Definitely when you're in the US, it's sort of, you have a couple of dances and then you chat a bit more. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just that sort of, you know, when we, when we, dance we are literally dancing all night it's relentless yeah which i love you know i just think it's amazing that we can just go from one person to another to another and all these different genres of music and just keep it going and it's just amazing yeah no i i love our dancing if i'm honest with you yeah. it's, um so yeah so what makes you laugh the most then simon uh <laughs> Your jokes off the stage. Oh, you're, you're way too kind and telling fibs as well. <laughs> uh, lots of things. Normally, uh, I, my friends take the mick out of me a lot. So, really? Actually, yeah. I, I tend to be the butt of a quite a lot of jokes, which really? Uh, really, which I don't mind. I actually, you know, I find that hilarious. Uh, so that... Normally, it's something I've done stupid that people have picked up on and they've gone, really? Is that really what you wanted it? And, and that, that really makes me, makes me giggle to myself and think, yeah, that was, that was not the smartest thing in the mood. But uh, yeah, I, 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 am, I like being around happy people who make me laugh and smile. So Yeah. No, I think that's a really good philosophy. It's, um, I know I read a book recently which was about um, running a business and it was saying in the, biz in the business that 80% um, of your problems often come from kind of 10 to 20% of your customers. And what it was saying in this business model was sack your customers. Um, <laughs> and then you get rid of them. And then you literally turn around to them and say, we don't want your business anymore. And they would go, but why not? And then you say, these are the reasons. And the worst case scenario is that you don't have their business anymore and you don't want it because it causes you so much hassle. And if they turn around and go, well, we won't do any of those things anymore, then you've solved all your problems anyway because they, they then behave as a better customer. Now, likewise with friends, have you sacked any friends? <laughs> no, you shouldn't sack any friends. But what I'm saying is that surrounding yourself with happy people makes you happy. You know, Absolutely. I, I often Absolutely. talk about that was, a, that was a dangerous question, which I was not going to answer in any manner or any means. Did you notice I just moved on very quickly? Very you. quickly. Thank you. Very quickly. <laughs> but um, no, what I was trying to say is there are some people that as they go into a room, they bring light into a room, which you are one of those people for me. Oh, Simon. Thank you. And, you know, there are some people that come into a room and just suck all the life out of it. You know, and for me, it's surrounding myself with people that are going to bring light to my world as well. I try and help as many people as I can. And uh, yeah, I want, I need others to help me too. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, we, we all have downer days as well, right? Oh, yeah. but, uh, but definitely at dancing, we, I think you said it earlier, I have a persona at dancing, which is probably vastly different from me. Like mm -hmm. Emily was super surprised when she got to know me, who me was. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's nothing like that she'd been seen or spent time with before. So that, oh, that's that was a strange, 
that's a strange thing, isn't it? Because people see us, you know, we're on stage for an hour and a half each night, there or thereabouts. And we have our stage performance and we do it in a certain way. We never swear on stage or say anything controversial um, or have any views about anything. Um, you then get onto the dance floor and certainly, you know, from most people's perspective, they don't really want to have a chat with you while you're dancing because A, dancing with somebody like yourself is scary for most people because they've seen you up on stage and that can be quite an, an, sometimes an intimidating thing to dance with any teacher. So they don't have a three minute in-depth conversation with you whilst they're still trying to figure out what move you're doing next etc etc so so yeah they don't ever actually get to know us which is why I love doing you know I came up with this idea of doing this so people actually get to know the real person behind it so what is different in Simon Rich the home person than Simon Rich the stage person then I'm a lot quieter are you yeah yeah I'm really I actually like not talking <laughs> I, I actually really enjoy sort of my own time um, with just individual groups and just spending time with individuals. Um, I'm just a lot more reserved, but then I can be the life and soul of a party and, yeah. and not be, you know, and again, that's not a persona thing. It's just like the different moods. So I have like a greeny blue eyes. Okay. And my mood is not, I know, right? I'm trying to see them close up. So, so sometimes they're blue and sometimes they're green. Oh, right. Actually, the way I'm feeling is normally through, through my eyes. They go different colors, which is actually really good for people I'm close to because they can go, oh, it's a miserable get today. So which way round is it so anybody else can know? Or is that no, I'm not telling it. So, so green is the sort of, you know, a little bit more upset or okay. not upset. Uh, I don't know. Like, probably the same as you, right? If I'm angry about something, I tend not to say it. I tend to ponder it for a long time. Mm -hmm. That's normally when I, I my eyes go green because, like, I'm thinking about something. Or like, okay. So I'm quite easy to read from a partner's point of view. Yeah. M knows to keep a distance when they go green. So when it's almost like the Incredible Hulk moment, isn't it? I know, right? <laughs> so you've gone green. Stay away. Stay away. Come here. Just keep away. But then when you're in a blue mood, you're all good to go. I'm all good to go. I'm like happy chappy, you know? And it's really, I've never even noticed that until no. sort of like six, seven years ago. And it was like, oh yeah, they do actually change. So it was just, I just always thought I had blue eyes. And then I realized I had bluey green eyes and they actually do change color. I have to say, I haven't stared long and deep into your eyes for why not? a long period. When we were dancing that time, why not? Well, it's a very good point. And I, next time, darling, I'll be looking deep into your eyes whilst we are dancing. I'll, I'll just point that bit out. <laughs> um, now, again, I've said that you've gave me the answers, okay, which I, I'm, I'm yeah. intrigued with. So I haven't asked this question before, the, uh, the, the question of, you know, if you could have dinner with four people, okay? Now, I'll be honest with you, I've not even heard of two of the people that you're having dinner with. So please explain. Which, which, which two haven't you heard the name of? So I hadn't heard of Carlos de Costa or Sergei <laughs> Poulinin. Now, maybe I'm just uneducated, which is quite possible, but I hadn't heard of either of those. So the other two I had, I think. So explain more. I, I hope you've heard of Bob Fosse. I think so. <laughs> Definitely heard of Gene Kelly, if that helps. Yay! Okay. So Bob Fosse, so uh, as you said, I went to Royal Ballet. Uh, which was super great. I mean, I was super lucky to have that. It was it was a complete fluke. 
So how did you get into the Royal Ballet then? <laughs> so I th in the 70s, so it must have been 74 or 75, must have been around that time period. Apparently, the Royal Ballet was seen as elitist, <laughs> which, to be honest, I think it's probably it is. not far from seen as that at the moment. Um, and they made the decision they wanted to dilute their um, pupils and look around the country. So they looked at deprived children, which is okay. a terrible word to use, but they actually children used from, those words. Children from a less fortunate background. Yeah, but they used the words deprived, which wow, is okay. really weird, because like I looked at, like, you know, as you do, you look back and say, okay, you know, how did I end up here? Anyway, they were looking for deprived children who may show some talent. Those are the words that they had used. Wow. Um, and they still so, chose you. And they still chose me. And they still chose me. So I had to go to a ballet, right? So at, at Bernardo's, you had to have after, you had to have clubs, after school clubs, right? It was not a choice. It was like you, you went to a normal school and then you had to fulfill the rest of your time with clubs of some sort. So all the older kids, all the older boys got the rugby, the football and everything else they wanted to do. All the younger children were left with whatever was left. And I was one of two that was in the ballet class. So you can imagine you're with 16, 17 year old children, ex borstal type things. Yeah. Come to, you know. So that was just another reason to get a good beating. But so I'd, I'd ended up in um, uh, going to these clubs and the Royal Ballet came out and they looked at me and said, look, it'd be great. Why don't you come for an audition? My guardian at the time said, yeah, let's get rid of him. So <laughs> I, was, I was put over there at White Lodge. And uh, so the reason is, is Carlos de Costa was the year below me and Darcy Bustle was the year above me. Wow. So as a ballet year, we were stuffed, right? Because probably the two best ballet dancers from a male and female perspective were already within, our, within the scope. So I only ever got ensemble work anyway. So Carlos was, was amazing but because he was a year below, it was like he was the younger kid. So I never spoke to him and he had just gone on and had this wonderful career. Uh, the first black colored ballet dancer who's been a, a prima ballerina, you know, yeah. lead role, taken major lead role. So he's got so much to talk about and, and understand. And he has gone back, he, he was a break dancer. So he's come okay. from a break dancing world. Cool. And, so he, I think he would be amazing. And then Sergei has done these amazing ballet performances, which is almost taking ballet into a new contemporary route. And that's really cool. And then obviously cool. Bob Fosse is just a hero. So say, Bob Fosse, explain more of Bob Fosse. Cabaret, darling. What it was. All, all the hands. All, all the hands. All that jazz, and I mean, he was just a choreographer who, I I have OCD, so like okay. when I do something, it has to be exact, and I destroy partnerships because when I'm dancing with someone, it's like, well, no, the hand isn't quite where it should be, and you know, looking. You've had the odd dance partner, haven't you? I've had a couple. <laughs> have you ever actually counted how many dance partners you've had? No, no, no that's not, 
not what I do. But they've all been amazing. They've all been amazing. I'm super proud of everything we've achieved together. Yeah. I can imagine working with me is pretty rough. Challenging. Rough. <laughs> so, but, so, so Bob Fussy was just, again, he used to piss all the dancers off. Oh, I can't use that word. He used, to, he used to annoy all the dancers off um, because he would be so particular about where the hands should be. And, and Gene Kelly was just a hero. I mean, again, yeah. what an answer. I mean, yeah, no, there's certain things that um, obviously technique you can teach. That feeling that comes from inside is much more difficult to, to get. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Gene Kelly had that in bucket loads. I'm not saying he wasn't technically good as well, but he, yeah, that, that for me was amazing. He was my hero. I mean, as a, as a boy dancer in the 70s, it was not a cool thing to do. No. And then he was there and he was just amazing. You looked at him and thought, that's what I want to be. That's exactly what I want to be. I want to have that, that strength and that, that feel. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you, when did you start dancing? I started dancing, I'm trying to work it back now, uh, 96, I think it was. Okay, so it still wasn't that cool to be a dancer. Oh, no. No. no, 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 not at all. And it was quite yeah. tough to be a dancer, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you were, I'm, I was in the RAF at the time as well. And uh, yeah, they used to rip into me. And then I'd come back, you know, just buzzing from dancing. When you first start, everything is just amazing. And, uh, and yeah, it was the best thing ever. So I, I didn't care. You know, they were all going out getting drunk and I was going out getting fit. Yeah. Um, See, I didn't have alcohol until I was like 26. Okay. So I can't drink. I can't drink. I am the biggest lightweight in the entire world ever. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. It's a cheap night out. That's what Emily says. <laughs> but it literally fumes and I'm, okay. I'm left under the table. And yeah. you've gone. So moving on to dancing then. Now, I've known you a long time and I've seen you dance an enormous amount of different styles. So how many different dances do you reckon you can do competently? So let's start listing them off, ballroom-wise. All 10. All 10, okay. Yeah. What other styles of dance? Obviously, we have, I'll, uh, I'll call it modern jive or Ciroc yeah. or, you know, that, you know, smooth slotted dancing, whatever you want to call it. There's no real proper name for it. We were chatting about this last night, actually. It's still very difficult to describe actually what we do, but our style of dancing. So what other types of dancing? I taught salsa for about five years. Right uh and uh contemporary and ballet and argentine tango and the west coast oh west coast yeah not forgetting that one yeah. uh, so so this is always weird right because people say oh you know if i do this dance i can't do this dance and if i do this dance i can't do this dance yeah yeah i actually find the more dances you do the more you relate the whole thing together and the more complete it becomes yeah and all of them have their different positives and negatives. Like some are so technical, so structured that you lose some of the freedom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is why I like at Ciroc because I can bring everything in and there's no structure and no one goes, hey, you can't do that. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, you know, and I, I think that's, that's the beauty of learning lots and lots of dances is actually they're all super, super similar. And they all come from, from one of, oh, and Lindy. 
because they all come from like you know especially it's the only dance i don't like uh, so i really fell out of love with it i so i used to do it there was a uh jenny and uh his name will come back to me in a minute there was there was a couple who were like simon selman and people like that were in the in the in the lindy world and um then I, I really got into it and I thought, oh, this is really cool. And then I fell out of love with it because the music was so similar and like sometimes it just didn't have enough genre or mix to it. So I really fell out of love. And then just recently, especially during the lockdown, I've been watching more of those type of swing videos and they're, they're lovely. They're lovely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not that I don't like it. Um, I've done it. I've seen, I remember going to an event in Guildford, I think it was, long long time ago and and apparently the world champions were there i think you may have been there yourself actually um and and i watched it and it it left me a little bit cold i could appreciate what they did but yeah. it didn't move me um that's not to say i can't see it and i can appreciate how difficult it <clears> is the speed of it and all of that but for yeah. me certainly with my old body these days um i i don't think i could keep up with it either um, when they start doing like Balboa and stuff like that, I mean, that's like yeah. super fast. It's like Lindy times two. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's really tricky. So, um, so yeah. So tell us about your teaching history then. Where have you started from? How long have you been teaching and where do you, well, theoretically currently teach? Yeah. So started teaching ballet because that's part of the graduation is that you have to be able to teach. Uh, I then went on and taught um, some ballroom and Latin, again, because it's part of your medals. And then as you move up, you have to be able to teach. So I was teaching there, and that's a good income coming forward. Um, then I did some ballet and contemporary teaching. And then around about 99, I think, I started, found this thing called Jive. Oh, I did, I did five years of salsa in London. And then 99, I, um, I found Jive in this little place. It was called Jags in Ascot. There was about six people in there. So it was super small at that time. Um, I thought, oh, this is this is cool because it's got like bits of salsa and bits of ballroom Jive and all of these types of bits and it's all mixed up. Um, and then uh, got sort of competent. I don't know. I was okay. And then, um, yeah, then, then, uh, then I started dancing at Jive Bug, uh, which was the old fleet venue, which is now Sorob. Yep. And uh, they gave me a chance to, to teach there. And I, then I met the lovely Bill and Becky Cooper around about 2007-ish. And I think they put me in for Sorob training at that point. And that was super difficult. Actually, the Siroc training was super difficult because it was like I developed for what eight years a dance style and a you know a way of dancing jive, and I was already starting to compete. Uh, like, you know, and um, pairing yourself back to to be able to structure yourself and dance in a specific manner with with a something that people can look at and go yes i can get that and i can understand it and i can break that down back in, back in 2007 who was on your audition panel can you remember who was on there at all i don't think i was back then i think i'd finished by then i think you were I, was i i could have been i i think it was 
I think it was. Was it back in George days, was it? It was George. It was George was definitely there. Yeah. Quite often myself and Becky were on there as well, actually. I, was, I think it was yourself, yeah. Becky and George. Yeah. I think, I think you were there. I think there was five of us at the right. time. And I'm trying to remember all three, four of them all became competition dancers. Okay. From the back end of it. Blimey. Yeah. But I mean, they were, it was, it was, it was great times, right? I mean, it was, yeah. it was, it was really good. It was, it was very, uh, intense. intense. Yeah. How did you find your course then? Cause as an experienced teacher already, that must've been quite difficult to almost break yourself down again. Yeah. Changing your verbiage, right? Changing the mm. words that you would use and how you would use it and restructuring it and, and and keeping to the script as well, to a certain yeah. extent as well. I found it super hard. I found it super, super hard. Um, I think Adam Brown was also on my, okay. on that training course. Uh, their names from the past, right? But I mean, there's, there's loads of, and Alex Faulkner was the other guy who also went on to be fantastic. He's gone back into ballroom and- Latin. He has, yeah. Yeah, no, he's- um... uh, yeah, no, he's a, a lovely chap, and he ended up being a teacher trainer for a while as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, no, he did, did very well. I always remember him and Emma doing their, uh, one of my favorite memories from the Hammersmith Palais was uh, them doing Double Trouble dressed as clowns. Yeah. It's still probably to this day the best Double Trouble um, three and a half minutes I've seen. <laughs> they, were, they were exceptionally good on that occasion. Um, and you couldn't tell who was who actually, which was quite scary. Sc clowns are always quite scary. So, uh, so yeah. I think that was the same year that Lily and David did the open where Lily stayed in the air for the entire yeah. two of the entire open. I was, I was in the semi-final with them um, on the floor and I remember dancing, I was with Sarah and, uh, and yeah, I looked across and, and all I just saw was Lily 25 foot in the air because David's <laughs> tall. And then at one point he just did the donut, which for those that don't know, yeah. is where you put your arms up like that and then the lady makes a circle and then she just drops down. And I was like, oh, they finished. And, but no, he just picked her back up and then carried flinging her around everywhere. So, um, so yeah, I looked at that and thought, we've got no chance. Yeah, so I think Nicole and I were on the same one and we were literally by the side of them and went, oh, well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was yeah, a difficult one. So what's your favourite? So you've taught all these different things then, all these different styles of dance. What is your favorite style to teach? Well, Ciroc, definitely. I really enjoy teaching it. I mean, I teach, well, I teach at High Wycombe now. I think it's one of the only dances you go from zero to hero in the fewest amount of weeks possible where people actually do freestyling, right? Mm -hmm. You think about ballroom and Latin and salsa and all of these other dances. Actually, freestyling is something either people never get to or it takes them such a long time to gain the confidence and the belief that they can do it. And it's one of the only dances where people don't sneer at each other hmm. and say, you're not good because of XXX, you know? And I think the freedom of that dance and the ability to move people from never... I, I love it when people come in and say, I can't dance, you'll never be able to teach me. It's like, hold my pint. <laughs> you, you well, know. half a pint for you, because you'll be on the floor just for the fumes. All right. I thought of the simile, and then I thought, actually, it doesn't work for me, but I'll <laughs> just keep going anyway. Um, 
but like it's the it's the only time in my entire life where I've been able to teach people like that and get them up so quickly and be and them to be so happy and think actually I can do this and I have really got this and I, I've done a few wedding dances I'm, you've done loads of weddings yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's amazing it right? is yeah I mean, especially when they don't tell their guests that they're going to do it. So I always get my wedding couples um, to start off in the classic hold and just rock from side to side. And people think, great, here's three and a half minutes of my life I'm never getting back as I've got to pretend to watch this couple just wobbling around on a dance floor for three and a half minutes. And then, yeah, when they then start breaking out and doing all of the different bits and pieces that they're able to do, it's, it's brilliant. And uh, I've, they always send me a video, and I'll be honest, my, my children always take the mickey out of me for this, but I always cry at those videos. Um, I'm the same. I do exactly the same. It's like, oh, bless. Yeah. Look at them. They got and, it. Uh, I had one couple that actually did, did the dirty dancing lift. Um, she was tiny, and he was a plumber, so he was, he was like that. And because uh, it's a once only thing, you know, wedding dance, to do a dirty dancing lift is one of the highest risk lifts to get right. Um, and with all the adrenaline and stuff sticking out at the end of it, and they absolutely, absolutely nailed it. And uh, yeah, I was super proud teacher moment. Yeah, it really and was. Sometimes you get the people who who watched a showcase of some form, and they go, "Oh, I'd like to do that, please." Okay, <laughs> let's break that down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you you want to learn all of this on your biggest day and remember all of that on your biggest day. Yeah. And that's where you sort of have the discussion and say, well, maybe we can compare that back a little bit. Yeah. So what do you think makes you a, a I think you're a great teacher. So, and that's not me blowing smoke anywhere. I just think you're a great teacher. So what do you think makes a great teacher? I think the ability just to remember that everyone needs to start somewhere and actually breaking it down into a way that everyone can understand. So I think there's, there's the point where you're talking about shapes and movement, mm -hmm. and then there's another point where you talk about technicality and understanding and trying to get that all in the same sentence is amazing hard. And it's not about overwhelming that person, but yep. it's over months, you are gradually working on something that gives them a real understanding of why their body moves and why they're moving somebody else and how this affects their lead and their follow and how they can appreciate each other that much closely and where they can give time and how they breathe and all of those things that that would make amazing teachers but that just takes time you know and i think uh unfortunately you know i was i was well very luckily a lot of my ballroom dancers were in their 60s and 70s and as was my ballet teacher, actually, she used to have a stick and couldn't walk or do anything. She used okay. to just stand there and shout at us a lot. Um, but that understanding of how the body moves is is super good. And I think that that really helps with a with a teacher. Yeah, I mean, you've got an you know probably more than most teachers in regards to technical ability in having done all of the different dances. Um, and having a lot of experience. Um, I'm just trying to think, I know when I'm up on stage, say you've got a, it's, it's a busy class, you've got a hundred dancers in the room and each of those dancers is doing 
a particular move and they will all be doing something slightly different or not quite right or a variation of it or whatever it may be. And as a teacher, you've got to look at it and go, right, I need to pick out these few things that's going to help the most amount of people. Now, I'm just looking at yourself, Simon, and thinking, you, as you said earlier, you have OCD tendencies and you want everybody to be perfect all of the time. That must be the most overwhelming moment in the world for you. It is. It is. What I tend to do is focus on those that are doing really, really well and those that are maybe not doing something or doing something that might hurt somebody. Yep. So then, then I sort of go, well, that, you know, that's great. You know, uh, people have got it, but here's the point, parts where we need to work on other things. But yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you put a routine together. I'm sure you do the same, right? You put a routine together and you think, okay, this is sort of acceptable. This is challenging and this is going to make them work. And my theory has always been that you should go away from a class with homework, you know, something you need to build on and develop yourself. Okay. So I always try and challenge a little bit more. And that's the one I'm expecting them not to have at exactly the same time, even though I really like them to. Yeah, it's, it's difficult when you look out and you go, oh, if you just did that bit differently. And obviously you can never pick any one person out in a class and say, you need to do that unless it's prearranged and you know that that person's going to be okay with that yeah. type of thing. Um, but yeah, they're, they're few and far between. Um, and it, it can be quite difficult just to let things go. Um, it, it can. Or you just find a way of getting around, you know, making... Uh, a joke between someone you know quite well yeah uh to to sort of lighten it back up and say oh you know that would be great if you did this and almost say you know would you be prepared to show that to everyone else yeah very good so what do you love about teaching then because you obviously love doing it you've been doing it all your life as such i just i just love it i love the ability of bringing people to to doing something they they thought they either could or couldn't do or developing them past where they thought their expectations would ever be. Hmm. I think it's the most intimate you can be with anyone without being intimate, right? It's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's something that's, if we all danced, I, I bet there'd be no wars, right? Because I just think, you know, you, it's so relaxing and all of that type of stuff. But I mean, just teaching and just giving that, ability to other people and watching them flourish yeah i mean I, I love seeing people once they've been able to do it a little bit you then start seeing them relax and get confident and it doesn't have to be complicated moves to make it great you know and people often think you have to do the most complex things to make it the best dance it's not the case at all if you connect with the, your partner and the music um, that is actually much more important than the complexity of the moves um, and yeah, when you see people just starting to have those moments of loving it, I did a workshop at the weekend. I had, had a dancer there that, pictures. that well done you. thank you, that literally sat there going, <sighs> and I was like, you okay? And she was like, yeah, I've now just got that drug back in my head that I've been missing for the last 16 months. And I was like, that's an amazing thing that we are able to do that as a, as a night and give those feelings to people. Um, and it's legal. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, obviously, there, there's those that really want to go for it. You know, I mean, they, they want to become, a, uh, they either want to do a showcase or they want to do competition. And that's also really, you know, that's, I love that working with people and just seeing them grow and grow yeah. and grow. And then they almost become independent. They become self dependent and they start growing on their own abilities. And then they come back and say, 
you know, we've worked on this. What do you think? And you're like, wow, that's better than I'd have come up with. You know, <laughs> you know I've, I've often said to people, my genuine aim is to make people better than what I am. Yeah. And that's that is as a teacher and a mentor to people. That is what I strive for. Because people say to me, aren't you worried they're going to get better than you? I'm like, that's what I'm aiming for, for them to do. They, you know, certain people can do things I can't do. I, you know, my body's restricted due to injuries and that type of thing. So certain, I can't do the splits, you know, but other people can. So let them do it and let them get on with it and be the best they can be. And that's what I love about it. So I used to be able to do the splits, but post-coronavirus, I don't think I can do anything anymore. Have you had the same issue that lots of people have had with the uh, shrinking washing machines? As in, the washing machines have <laughs> shrunk your clothes. Yeah. So, I've put on, so I've put on 10 kilos over, over this period. But, I mean, I don't know, like you, dance was my main and really my only exercise, uh, which is a, probably not the best thing in the you know the the only thing i should be doing but it definitely was the only thing i was doing and you just eat and consume the same right so. yeah no and that's the trouble um we're instead of going out in the evening and dancing we're staying in and eating and drinking sometimes on the odd very rare occasion very rare very rare i've i've actually had to stop myself last couple of months i've sort of gone back to like my normal diet and yeah. you know just trying to Trying to work, thinking about putting a new showcase out there. And Are you? That type of stuff, so. I would look forward to that. So talking about competing then, we have, you and I, a very unusual relationship. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but yeah. we have the unusual relationship that both of us have judged the other one on numerous occasions. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Well, if you think about it, you've been in competitions many times when I've been judging and I've been in competitions when you've been judging. And I go back to possibly my favorite judge's comment ever. And it came from yourself, Mr. Rich. I'm not even sure if you're aware of the impact this had on me. OK, so we're talking Brit Rock many years ago, probably 2010, I think it was. OK, you yeah. were judging at the time. OK, semi-final in the open and a song came on, which was uh, the... Uh, the, I want to say bell-bottom jeans. I can't think what the um, what the track is. I'll pause it here and then I'll play it. It's this track here. So that's the track. There we go. Right. There will be some music coming over at that point there. Okay, <laughs> that was the track. Anyway, in the toilet afterwards, okay, just um, obviously doing whatever you normally do in a toilet and uh, you simply turn around to me. That. Changing t-shirts. Changing t-shirts. I was having a wee, but there we go. Um, <laughs> and you turned around to me and went, that wasn't your track, was it? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I was like, no. <laughs> we still got through. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting when you've got the different styles of dances and, you, you know, your style doesn't fit what you're doing, you know, myself and so much more lyrical and all of that. And then when you've got kind of a funky track on, that's not our bag. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really difficult. But uh, yeah, we have the pleasure of judging each other all the time. Yeah, um, we've been we've been doing it a long time, right? Yeah, we've been it a long time. I'm trying to make I'm trying to make the sort of uh, 20 years. That's, right. That, I want to I want to retire. Uh, I'd love to get to 20 years. Okay. You know, so two, uh, 2003 was my first ever competition, I think. Yeah. 
Uh, so. so yeah, a couple of years to go then. Yeah. You'll make it. You'll only be 64 by that point. Thanks, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so which do you prefer then judging or competing because i've you know I, I i really enjoy competing it's it's shattering but to dance at that level is great and to push yourself and make push yourself as a dancer because you know needless to say as, as you're teaching you're always going to be teaching a lower level than what you can actually dance because that's inevitable what you do when you teach but when you're competing you have to try and push yourself personally as a dancer which is an amazing thing to do um competing uh, judging is a very different animal altogether so what do you prefer judging or competing then so easy answer is competing okay uh longer answer <clears throat> so i liked judging because i liked giving writing the notes and thinking okay this is where a couple could work on this and they could be so they're really good at this and not so good at this and how so i used to be writing you know doing the scoring and then writing notes so then i could give feedback to the customers so i'd come back out with an a4 pad about this big yeah. go and hunt them down or say if you want feedback you know please come yeah. um so i liked that element of it i hated the fact i was judging and i wasn't dancing I was looking out and thinking, oh, I'd love to dance to this. Why am I sat here? I'm not enjoying this. I want to be out there dancing. So I didn't like, I didn't like judging, but I'd rather be the other side competing. But I loved being able to watch and understand and see and uh, compare. It was, it was awesome. Like watching someone like yourself, like super lyrical with Zoe, and then watching someone else just flounder all over a track and thinking, Okay, that was really not their best part, but then they'd get a swing track, which is super fast and major BPMs, and they were like, yeah, and really bouncy, and they were loving it. And, I was, and it was obviously, you know, they needed to work on their genres and their mixes and yeah. see if that could move through. And then, like, you see people with, like, pigeon toes, and, like, their, their knees turned in, and you're thinking, oh, you know, you're going to hurt yourself. And that, that's someone I deliberately hunt down and sort of say, you know, you probably just want to work on some technique things on building. Yeah, people always talk about, I want to have great style. And I say, great, let's work on your technique. Yeah. Go, but that's really boring. Yes, but you need to get technique. And actually, <laughs> good style comes from great technique. Um, yeah. About having your feet turned out five to one. You know, that type of thing. You know, if you turn your foot in, it's going to make your hip do weird things. Your shoulder's going to go in the wrong place. Just simply turning your foot out will make you have great style. Um, which I think people kind of forget to some degree. There's a reason why ballet dancers do the same plies for 13 years before they graduate. Yeah. Yeah, you know? no, and you can always tell those that have had the, the background in training. You know, if I look at your dancing compared to mine, I can see you've had much more training than I have. Um, and that's... Well, I'm that's not sure. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Never. I think we have similar techniques, my friend. I think we do now. Do you know, I'm very fortunate. I've got my my little studio here at home. And uh, for the last six, seven years, I've been analysing not only everybody that comes in, of course, because that's part of what I have to do. But of course, I analyse myself every time I'm dancing. And you look exactly what position you should be in. And, you know, you break everything down to that degree that it's, as a technical dancer, I'd say my, my ability over the last six or seven years has probably quadrupled. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing how quickly you can change it, right? By putting those techniques uh, into practice. Yeah. Like having the homework of, you know, 
standing against a skirting board and pushing your feet out and holding your back and holding your head back just by doing that for like five, 10 minutes a day can really improve posture and then the way you walk and also thinking about how you roll your feet and all of those types of things. It doesn't take long to people then becoming a natural movement for them anyway. No, it's a strange thing, isn't it? As dancers, you know, I, I was doing this exercise yesterday. When, when you walk normally, you would always walk, you know, heel, ball, toe. Obviously, as a dancer, it's the opposite. You go ball, you know, toe, ball, heel. And everybody goes, Oh, yeah, I've never really thought about that before. But you see them walk, you know, trying to do a straight walk forwards and they're clumping it through like this. And you think, well, you just need to pitch your body weight forward and all of that. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. The same as you, you know, people go come to for lessons and stuff. And, and it's, it's actually on class night at High Wycombe. It's like before beginners, I actually get them just doing a warm up of just walking. Mm. And I do exactly that. Full heel, roll with your feet. And and it's amazing you can watch them go oh this sort of light bulb moment especially if, if you get an intermediate advanced dancer come to beginners if you can ever get them to come to beginners you, you sort of then pick up on some of those techniques and you go you can see them oh, wow this is making such a difference and such yeah change. absolutely right we're on to music okay so i ask all my guests the same three questions what's your favorite song to dance to to listen to and which song has had the most impact in your life okay so the first one that we've got is which one is your favorite song to dance to now just a very quick story for you i actually re-found this song a week ago genuinely and i oh, danced wow. it, and I, I hadn't danced to it for years and then i danced to it yesterday for the first time in ages before i got your your notes through um which i don't know if that's a coincidence or if maybe we're just talking you know, over the airways. I don't know, but um, no, I didn't mention, I've never mentioned it before to you. No, no, it's no. Awesome. So I yeah, this is the Marine Five one. Yeah, yeah. lovely. So yeah, t tell us about the Marine Five one and, and why. It's just one of those tracks, right? It just plays, and the way that the whole setup at the beginning of the music starts, and it leads you into this beautiful position and and feeling. And then it just evolves as a track. And it's just one of those, every time you, it, by luck, it's been with someone who's a really complimentary dancer. And it's just a super special moment. And it's one of those that you have that dance and then you go, you both look at each other and go, did that just happen? That was just. Let's amazing. have a little listen. On the side of the highway, baby. Our road is long, your heart is strong. So that's Secret by Maroon 5, which I love dancing to that track. Musicality-wise, I think it's an amazing track. There's so many bits. So much. It just... Yeah, just so much in it. It's like the lyrics and, and all that music just evolves around it. Yeah, no, I think it's a stunning track to dance to. And... And yeah, I absolutely loved dancing to it the other day. Um, it was it was brilliant. Um, really loved it. So um, so that's your favourite song to dance to. What about to listen to then? Uh, I can't remember what I wrote. <laughs> Might be by Faithless. Oh yeah. <laughs> Edit. Uh, yeah. Uh, so um, when I was younger. I did lots of 
uh, concerts, like going to watch concerts at like Hammersmith Palais and Brixton Academy, so like small, small venues of unknown bands at the time, right? So it's like um, uh, all of all of the sort of lesser known indie bands were there, like Bush and Reef and the Doves before they ever came. So I was sort of really into indie music at the time. And then I went to Brixton Academy and there was this, this uh, band, pretty unknown, and it was Faithless. And actually God as a DJ was like one of their first tracks. And Faithless just knocked me out of the park. I mean, they were just, their, their songs are just so uplifting. And it's one of those ones where it's just, yeah, this, this just gets me going for the day. So it's definitely my favorite, favorite song. Let's have a little listen. This is where I heal my hurts. It's in natural grace or watching young life shape. It's in minor keys, solutions and remedies. Enemies becoming friends when bitterness ends. This is my church. It's quite hard, isn't it? Yeah, look, I don't know if I want to share this, but um, <laughs> so <laughs> after go for it after after, after ballet school uh, and i graduated uh i did two years in ibiza in, okay. a club, in a club called clockwork orange which is a little club and they wanted a bunch of dancers and they said oh you know you can come over and you'll do some choreography and arlene phillips was meant to be the choreographer so it was like okay well this sounds like a really good thing uh and we went there and um it wasn't that at all. We basically ended up just in shorts and the girls even less. And, but it was podium dancing and this was one of the tracks that was on all the time. So it always takes me back to there as well. So that's... Well, you're smiling at that memory at least. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. Two years, I can't, you know, I can't believe I spent two seasons out there, but uh, it, was, it was good fun. So we've gone from ballet to Ibiza ballroom yeah. to salsa yeah. to Ciroc. you have had a varied dance life really haven't you i have i have but they've all been very different journeys and i've enjoyed yeah. those journeys every single one is is definitely different very i'm looking much. to my next journey as well i'm not sure where that's going still no yet. no we've all got our our second half of our lives to go haven't we really that's right I look that's at it in that way and see, see where that's going to take us. So what's been the most important track to you then? Uh, so there's a track that, I, so the title, it's called Creep by Radiohead. Um, it's, it's a, the title makes it sound like it's wrong, but actually it's just, it always emotionally reached out to me. Let's have a little listen. It's pretty Radiohead. So it, it's just there were things that happened when I was a kid and it was like, I'm a winner and I'm not a victim and all these types of things. And it's just welling up. 
Uh, it's one of those. It's one of those that it's always hit me as a track, and I only have to hear it, and it takes me to like, no, I'm I'm strong. I've got this, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure that's not what the lyrics mean, but in my head, I've somehow got in my head that that's what that means. Somehow. Well, it doesn't matter what, in, to some degree, what the artist was making the lyrics mean to them. You know, it's what you make it mean to you that is the critical yeah. part of that, isn't it? So, so yeah, if you, you know, if that touches you and then you're having those feelings saying, I'm not a creep, I'm not a weirdo, actually, I'm going to be the strong person that I'm going to be, then that's an amazing thing. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that at all. So, um, so yeah, no, they are three very interesting tracks and three very, very different di tracks. Very different from our dancing, right? I mean, uh... yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not the lyrical contemporary Simon, you know, we've got <laughs> pumping off, doing all of that. And uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. great. And this is what I love about this. You know, I, I've, um, in, in all of the interviews I've done, I've learned a huge amount about you guys. And I've known a lot of you for a long time. Um, but I'm learning stuff that I could never know. And, uh, and yeah, everybody else that's listening or watching, I hope you're uh, enjoying f looking behind the curtain. Yeah. Which is, which is lovely. We again. Oh. No, no, no. Keep the curtain open. It's, it's lovely for everyone to see. We're on to our quick fire round to finish off. Sure, okay, sure. So here we go. Right. Favorite ice cream? Oh, mint choc chip. Mint choc chip. That's... Yeah. There is no other ice cream. Let's move on. Are you, I, I think I know the answer to this one. Are you clean or messy? Super clean. Yeah. I can tell your kitchen looks immaculate. Uh, yeah, it annoys everyone. <laughs> so this, this is what my friends think is super funny. They'll come round and they will deliberately pour the ketchup on the side to see how quickly and put a timer on, see how quickly before I clean it up. And they think it's hilarious. Everyone just is laughing about it. Uh, I will do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you love or hate roller coasters? Oh, it's, it's like a love hate. Do you love them? Do you yeah. love them? I, I love the ones that um, that are reasonably quick that don't make it that are not spinny. Those ones make me throw up. Um, but yeah, big big rides. I love them. The feeling of being sick is, doesn't doesn't do it for me. No, I have on the odd occasion, if certainly from going to Walton Towers, taken a travel sickness pill because <laughs> the only downside is they make you a little bit dopey. So yeah, it's the combination of being dopey all day but not feeling sick. So, uh, so yeah, that's always the other option. So you're kind of love hate, fair enough. So excluding social media or anything like that, what is the phone app you use the most? Uh, is there a game you play? Or... Yeah, yeah. Got uh, to reveal it now. Clash of Clans. Clash. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Bad, right? Yeah. It's like it's like ten minutes of my day max, and then it's done. You know, it's just one of those games you can, it's like a stress buster. End of day, quick go on Clash of Clans and that's it. That's you going into your man cave. Just going, right, works here, transition, quick Clash of Clans, and then carry on. Exactly. exactly. No problem with that at all. Coffee or tea? Coffee. With sugar? No. Black. Black. Okay. Yeah. Tea is the drink of the devil. You're a tea drinker, aren't you? No, coffee. Oh, really? I used to be tea, and then my father-in-law made me proper coffee, and I was like, yeah. oh, this is nice. But yeah, I have sugar, so um, and milk. I like lattes. In, uh, so this might be an age thing as well, actually. Mm. So I made a pot of tea the other day. 
Yeah. And, and actually, it was all right. Yeah. But this isn't as bad as I remember it. <laughs> so I used to say, oh, you know, never touch tea. It's disgusting. But actually, I made a pot of tea and it was, it was, it was something quite nice about it. There you go. Tea and coffee then. Favourite TV programme? I love the sort of um, fantasy type things. So like Game of Thrones and things like that when, when they're on. Uh, Vera. You can't beat Vera. I don't, the know. I don't know Vera. <sighs> Honestly, you've got to look it up. She's an old detective. Okay. It's, it's about an hour long. And they take you from, you, you, you'll almost guess the person who it is in the first five minutes. Right. And it takes an hour to get to decide. <laughs> Actually, it was that person. And it was always the family member. Yeah. But it's just, it, she's proper northern. Okay. So you just spend your time going, repeating Vera words afterwards. I will, uh, I will look it up. We're nearly at the end of our current series that we're watching. So, uh, so yeah, we're watching Colony at the moment on Netflix. Um, which is where aliens have kind of come over and started to rule the world. Um, so like V? Kind of, yeah. That's going back in the day, isn't it? Blimey, that's 30 years ago. Um, so, yeah, that's quite strange. They've, 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 re they've reinvented V, right? To some degree. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. We're almost at the end of season three, and I think that's the last season. So, uh, so yeah. And last question for you then. So if yeah. you came back in your next life as an animal, which one would it be and why? I'd come back as a fish. As a fish? That's an interesting answer. Specific, Tell me why. A koi fish. Why? Because I keep koi fish, and they have the best life ever. They get fed every day. They never have to go out to work. They just come along. Hi, how you doing? Feed me. And then they're back off again. I mean, that's just like life of Riley, right? It's, it does seem like a tough life. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You? Do you know, I, I, I don't know is the answer to that question. Um, a dog comes to mind immediately because um, you have other people picking up all your mess. Yeah, but it's too much effort. You've got yeah, to get to run around and... and yeah. And and you know, you've you've got certain talents as a dog that, that we don't have as a human. I knew exactly where you were going before you even said that. <laughs> oh dear, that's yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that's what immediately came to my mind, a dog. Um, but there we go. Anyway, we're gonna wrap it up there. Simon, you, generally I've found this fascinating. Um, I hope everybody else does too. Um, I, I've known you for a long time. I treat you as a friend and, uh, and uh, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. So um, thank you very much for appearing on Life Off the Stage on this episode and I uh, hope you've enjoyed it too. I have. It's been, it's been really fun. So thank you so much.